Welcome to episode number 37. How's everyone doing? Happy Friday, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, happy, yes, yes. Happy, happy Friday. Happy Friday. How's everyone doing? feeling about a bi-weekly one episode every two weeks? I'm, I'm I'm still getting used to it. How are you guys doing? I'm 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 enjoying it. <laughs> it's a different level of intensity, should I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you, then you, you? I'm half asleep. <laughs> you are half asleep, did you say? I'm, I'm half asleep. I'm oh, you're half asleep. asleep. Okay, okay. So you're here with myself, Olu, Shuwao, Daniel, Pabilo. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking and following up about health, which we talked about a few weeks ago. But we want to focus more about health in the black and minority community. Um, what can we do in regards to improving our health? And do we feel like there's actually the health system there in place for minorities? And then the book review will be taken by Shua. So stay tuned and let's get started. Yes. So, guys, as Oli did a very nice introduction at the beginning. So what I wanted to talk about is um, health in the black, Asian and minority communities and why, at least this is my perception and you guys can correct, can correct me if I'm wrong. Why are we suffering more in terms of health? Now, where, where this topic has, has stemmed from is I think I've mentioned in an episode a few years ago that my dad went through a, uh, a stroke and that was the first time that I'd seen him in a, in a hospital in a, with a serious illness. And then when I was there at the hospital, I was just reading different leaflets and different uh, material and information regarding the stroke. And what I realized is that things like stroke, heart attack, um, prevalence of diabetes, high blood pressure, these are much, much higher in the black and brown communities versus um, the white British communities, at least within the UK. There's, there's studies that have been done and statistics that even though as a population, the, the black and Asian and minority community isn't the biggest community in the UK, but as a proportion of that population, more people are, are suffering. So it kind of made me reflect on why, why is this happening? And I mean, I've got my own reasons in my head, but I wanted to get, get your, your guys' view and also how it's, how, what, what have you observed in your communities? Because for me, it's kind of clear why it's happening. So I guess the first question I would have for you guys is, do you think those communities that I mentioned are suffering more the the older they get, or do you think actually maybe my observation isn't correct? I don't think your observation is correct. Ooh, all right, hit me. Why? I just don't think it is. I haven't done any research. I just don't agree. I need some data now. I'm kidding. Um, no, I do agree. I do agree. Um, I would say before you, so I do believe that the amount of minorities that visit hospital in, in proportion to the population size yeah. is larger than any um, or white Caucasians um, people. Um, but I think before you start to look at sort of the care in which minorities receive, in because I think this is really a two-part question. Mm -hmm. One is related to the care in which minorities receive when they go into the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say either the lack or not the same sort of standard of care. 
Um, but I think before that, you need to look at sort of the the bypass and how, like what's happening for them to need to go to the hospital at such a frequent, um, frequent rate. Mm -hmm. So I think it ties into many areas where it's like um, um, poverty is one. So if you look at the neighborhood in which uh, minorities, when they move over to the country live Mm -hmm. and you go to certain areas, you realize that the restaurants that are around those areas, you see like, KFC around every corner, McDonald's around every corner, yeah. versus more even affluent. even even like even PFC and Chicken Cottage and even the, the, the <laughs> if, if a KFC is in the area, sometimes that area is not that bad. But if you see a PFC and Chicken Cottage, then you're exactly where you're not even sure if it's chicken. You don't even know it's it's too cheap. It might to be, it might be a, might be a summer house vibe. It might be a summer house vibe. <laughs> but in comparison to affluent areas where you see a Whole Food, um and fresh fruits and veg around that area, which also the prices of the difference, sometimes it's cheaper to fill your system and your body with unhealthy food versus if you want to get a nice smoothie, you know, you're paying five pounds for a smoothie, five, six pounds for a smoothie versus going to KFC and whatever and get like a milkshake for two pounds or whatever price it is. Well, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep referencing Top Boy, but you, you know that clip when Deshane walks into that coffee shop and they ask for a yeah. coffee and it's three fifty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think like that's one of the reasons. So one is um, the area and sort of um, the neighborhood in which people grew up in and the level of poverty. Um, I'll let the rest of the guys jump in because I've got yeah, I mean, it's also, this topic, like many others, a lot of it, it starts and ends with education. And when I was making my notes for this, I was thinking to myself, I didn't learn anything valuable about health in school. So that's a good, what, 10, 12, 13 years, where there's not anything dedicated around why you shouldn't have, uh, you should cut down on your, on your sugar, your salt, um, oily, fatty foods, etc. And it's only till probably until you get into your late 20s, early 30s, where maybe you, you might start to peel into that area of what's the right um, diet to have and maybe this is a good idea. So it's, it's, there's, there's a serious lack of education um, um, for us to be able to tap into to understand why it's important to service our bodies. Because I think the only education that we have in our community um, is when we actually fall ill. And then we realize, oh, I can't do anything now. So maybe I should think about managing my health. And and usually, and unfortunately, at that stage, it's too late. For sure. So as you're saying that prevention is better than a cure. Yeah, my dad, my dad always said that. My dad's a doctor. He always said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with what Daniel, you said. Are you okay? Are you, yeah, have you been good. having enough sleep? Look at you. Ah, oh, it's been a long week. <laughs> long week. Pull through, pull through. Come on, pull through. Yeah. Um. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. It, what P? What you're saying when it comes down to a lack of education, we don't take the time to find out what the effects or things will have on us until it's too late. And even when we do notice signs and symptoms, we often just ignore them. So we know mm. something's not right. Mm. <laughs> oh, what's wrong? Do you agree? Oh, that back kick that you have that you've been having for years, and you're like, yeah, man, I just need to stretch more. I just need to. No, stretch. no, it's, got, it's, it's gone beyond stretching. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. But no, you, you sometimes notice things, and you just you put it off. 
then you know you might go and see a doctor oh when did this start oh about two years ago six months ago <laughs> so why didn't you come in earlier and what to be honest it's it's a thing where even some people are nervous some people don't like going to doctors because they're afraid of what they might say so they start doing a self-diagnosis and you know you, everyone's done that kind of i've got a headache you go on to google you start googling headache or some severe pain in your chest you're saying oh no this is a sign of a, of a i've got a heart attack onset and so, oh, you've got tingling in your left arm. Then you start thinking, oh, I've got tingling in my left arm. Yeah. And it says, you know, call 99. So some people do, don't help themselves. But um, going back to the topic of us as minorities, we just don't seem to care. Mm. And I was even having a conversation with someone at work on um, Tuesday. Uh, another, another um, he's Nigerian as well. And we're just talking about stuff. And then um, he spoke about a bereavement. Uh, of someone he knew and he said yeah it was just um it's bad he said you know he said you know us we just will just eat pounded yam you'll eat all this stuff all this content <laughs> and you don't really think of it and you don't think about what it's doing to you inside yeah and, it's, and then all you know is it's like it's just not, it's not going to end well for you like you're getting older but you know in nigeria typically like a big belly is a sign of you're you're living good oh you're doing... my god nigeria <laughs> to bangladesh daniel the amount of arguments i'd have with my dad when i was when i transitioned from a chubby teenager to trying to be a slimmer adult my dad during that period thought i was suffering from anorexia he was like what are you doing if your face ain't round you ain't healthy bro and i was like nah that's, that's not how it works in 20 20 what does that mean 20 like people say like when you put uh, weight on your belly you're you're wealthy they're like you're, you're living good yeah, yeah, you're yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> doing well but um yeah that's what i would say the, the other the other challenge to that yeah. is is there's also an element of these types of foods being uh culturally attached to our identity mm. so for example um if we look at, for example, African foods, a lot of a lot of the African dishes have a lot of, say, palm oil or oil in them, which is which we know is not healthy. I mean, I used to look at it when I was younger and think to myself, "Yeah, I'm swimming that. I'm gonna swimming. swim." <laughs> yeah. And now, and now when I look at it, I think, I think when I went to I went to one function, I looked and I thought to myself, "I'm not having that at all." Yeah. Um, and so there's like, and so if you if you were to say to sort of blacks and browns guys, maybe you should start to have more bland foods or more salads and diets. They wouldn't, before they even get to, oh, is this healthy for me? They'll say, that's not part of my culture. I'm not going to have that. Sorry. That's, that's mm. a side dish. That's not even a side dish. That's not a side dish. That's not a side dish. Give me some of that pine oil like this. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that, there's like, it's like, it's almost like we have to retrain our taste buds and reprogram our entire minds around. It's not about, you know, uh, sticking to what is, is culturally our identity, but going with what is the healthier option. Mm. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough one to, to break. Daniel, you mentioned something but, that, I, that I had a question on. Um, in regards to why is it, why do you think it is that uh, minorities struggle to go to the hospital early enough? Because there's obviously the history of minorities and hospital and treatments and them experimenting on minorities no that that's it's true in terms that's of in part, which has led to a fear factor why people don't want to go to the hospital because you, like people say you go to the hospital because you've got a headache all of a sudden they're saying hey let's take off a leg or arm or you understand <laughs> like, like you know you know what I mean? like, all of a oh sudden it's going to like <laughs> 
some an, some extreme aspect of it. And no, I, lo- I laugh. I laugh. But I think I think I laugh. But I think that is people's genuine concern. Um, mm. They don't want to hear. Like I, I remember growing up, the one thing that um, myself and Leslie we noticed: if we have any type of injury, any injury, we break our ankle, sprain it, we go to sleep. You go to sleep. <laughs> sleep was like like go to sleep. Just just lie down. Don't go to the hospital. I'm telling you, mom, just lie down. But going back, going back, going back to your point, I mean, it just goes to show how silly some of the ideas are. Mm. Um, but going back to your point, I think, I think what we do dread is going to the hospital and the doctor saying, "Okay, we need to do an operation. Come in next mm. week." Yeah, yeah. I think it just comes down to shit. People see it as an inconvenience. Mm. It's inconvenient for for you to go and then to spend time to do tests to do things because. Typically, as a as a minority, you're trying to work hard to provide for your family, and then you suffering or taking time out to to address something with you can be deemed as selfish and then putting a burden on other people to maybe have to step in or help out because yeah. you know we always like to perceive ourselves as strong. You know, black Asians, we all like to see ourselves as you know we're strong. We don't want to depend on other people. So if I'm taking time out, that means the focus is going to be on me. People have to care for me. Think people are going to have to maybe help my family out. To some, some, to some regard, and people never like to be a burden on someone else. Yeah, I mean that's that's a severe case. But also, you know, the health comes down to also exercise. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just something that we is not culturally ingrained within us that we need to exercise. It's always about just eating and enjoying, you know, dancing at parties and stuff. But then when you take it to that pine oil still like this. (laughs) But but when you take it to like Southeast Asia, when you look at China, when you look at that demographic, you see people living well into their 80s and the 90s because they do exercise every day. I don't know if you've seen videos, but these old, you know, these elderly people every single morning, they're doing some sort of Zumba or something in the whole community. I think it's Tai Chi. I think it's Tai Chi, especially in the Chinese community, it's like a form of yoga, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they keep active. Uh, Asian specialist. (laughs) <laughs> in, more, in, more, in more ways than one, in more ways than one. Um, but no i think so i think we've covered some of the some of the main things so we're saying like access to access to healthcare, the proximity of certain types of food in the areas i think education also is a is a big one and uh daniel's kind of more from the from the cultural perspective i think i just wanted to quickly share some statistics about uh these diseases and illnesses so statistics in the uk show and I can, and I assume this is probably very common in a lot of Western countries. If you are of a South Asian background, you are at a higher risk of developing coronary heart disease, which could lead to heart attacks. This is a fact. If you are over 65 and of a South Asian background, you are at a greater risk of having a stroke. Again, a fact in the UK. Um, if you are an African Caribbean background, you may be more likely to have high blood pressure um and then people of african caribbean and south asian ethnicity are more likely to get type 2 diabetes than the rest of the population so these are all statistics in the uk where people have done studies and when i say here south asian it means the bangladeshi indian and pakistani community where they where they have the biggest risks on their health and how to manage so i mean i was reflecting on all of this last night also preparing for the the podcast and i was having a conversation with my dad so i was like dad like let's um 
let's have a conversation here. So you you've obviously had a stroke. Um, and there are moments when I ask him, why do you think that happened? And he tells me, I have no idea, son. Like, I was super healthy before. And he was actually in hospital. I love your thoughts, man. I oh, mate, the, the optimism. Optimism is on a different <laughs> level. Different level. So I was like, all right, Dad, so if you're healthy, let me let me understand this. Um, so out of you and your friends, uh, you're all of a similar age. I would say that most of them have either diabetes, blood pressure problem, cholesterol problem, have had a stroke and a heart attack. And then his reaction was like, yeah, but it's not it's not a community problem, because if you go to the hospital and you look around on my ward, most of the people that are white British people. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I had to draw a diagram for him. Like, if you imagine the big population of Portsmouth, yes, the majority is white <laughs> British, but the proportion of them as a total that is in the hospital is maybe five or 10 percent. Now, of course, if the population of the Asian community in this example is smaller, but then nearly half of that population is in the hospital, then we have a bigger problem. And I actually drew it out for him. And he was like, oh, you know what? You're, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I was like, dad, I think this is because your generation had a lack of education and information about it. And it was like, yeah, but how many how many doctors have strokes? They've got lots of information. And I was like, that's not that's not the, that's not the, that's not the angle that I'm trying to come at. I'm just saying that, look, think of how many of your friends, when you were my age, like now all of us, we go to the gym, we're eating healthier. But when, when, when you were my age, I know you had lots of other things going on. You had a family to support in the UK. You had much bigger problems than I have now, and I, I recognize that. But there was there was no one who was probably going to the gym. When it came to food, everyone was dashing all that pine oil everywhere, but no one was thinking, what's the, what's the impact here? And then having this conversation with him, I think he's realized, and I've seen a behavioral change in him and in my mother as well. Like If I think about the food we eat now as a family compared to 20 years ago when we were growing up, my mom is using much more healthier ingredients, pine oil, any of those oils are not in the house anymore. Instead of white rice, it's brown rice. Um, and there's a much more there's much more education around the fact that we need to exercise regularly, we need to eat healthier, and we need to sleep as well. I think sleep is also something that my dad realized was uh, was something that he wasn't doing before. So as a community, I can see that generation, a lot of them, they've got diabetes now, so they need to manage all of this. But there's still that kind of part in their head where they think, now, nah, do you know what, I was... I was all right anyway. So it's just a, it's just a, it's an evolution. But I think at least with, within my, our generation, I think we're doing a lot more. But then I wanted to know what, what, what's, what's the experience been with you guys with regards to your families and stuff? And how do you see our generation at least getting a bit better? I think having the dialogue like this should also help as well. Yeah. So family-wise... Um... <clears throat> So my mom retired nurse. Um, so you would be, a, you know, that she has obviously the education elements mm. of health, the body, how it works. Um, but it's just, it was never anything really mentioned in our family. Mm. I never remember us sitting down and saying, hey, these, this is what you're supposed to eat. If obviously I'm feeling, if I'm sick or whatever, she'll treat me, she'll tell me what I need to do, et cetera. But it was never anything that was sort of proactively discussed. Um, when you talk about food wise, there's no telling a, a Nigerian woman <laughs> what she can and cannot cook. But, have you, but have you seen have you seen her cooking kind of develop and change over the years in terms of how she's doing, or it's pretty much stays the the same? No, like my mom would say, yeah, make sure you have your salad, and mm -hmm. sometimes she'll give a salad for like a pre meal sort of mm -hmm. snack. <laughs> but um, no, we still have the jollof rice the pounded yam, the ebba, amala, all of that stuff. 
um, which to be honest, I love. I yeah. love as well. Are you making me sound hungry, Olu? Just listen. <laughs> I believe everything should be within push, um, within moderation. Um, moderation. But I think the key thing which I've seen a change in my mum is just in regards to exercising. Mm. So this is something that I've given my mum so much feedback. Like, mum, you need to stop driving because I think with the access of have like the accessibility with having a car, you can just feel like you need to drive everywhere. And my mum mm. would go maybe like five minutes down the road, but she'll still drive. So now, like I've seen that she just gets out, walks, take walks. She's even started badminton, which oh, really? I was like, yeah, she started badminton <laughs> class. And I was like. <laughs> You know Wait, shout, shout, shout out Olu's mum to start to start to start something like that. That's a serious thing. That's not it's not it's easy for serious. people. And she's yeah. always telling me that um the instructor's like, oh, she's so good, she's so fit, and everything. And I've told her I'm gonna come to one of us. Is that instructor male or female, bro? I never asked that question, but I'm sure it's all legit. I'm sure it's all legit. But I told her I need to come to one of her badminton classes and see what she's talking about because she's like, Yeah, I'm so hey, good. Might... She, bought, she bought a racket, uh, a badminton racket and everything like that. So I'm like, You might need to you might need to go down and check that coach because sounds like your mom's got <laughs> sounds like your mom's got a big fan. Big fan. But I think <laughs> I mean that's one of the areas that I've seen a change in just in yeah. regards to exercise. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as my mom gets is getting older she's um my brother she's have uh, my brother um and my sister-in-law just had their first child yeah about to have the second child she wants to be around for her grandkids and be mm. healthy and walking around so the exercise element i've seen an improvement mm. to be honest i haven't sat down and talked about the food element of it so i think that's an area that definitely but my mom's good with sugar like she's always telling me Super malts, coke, all of these things she stays away from. Yeah. And I'm sure Daniel gets the same in regards to um uh, email, not email, WhatsApp chains. Mm. <laughs> so whenever you receive is one of your parents' friend will send your mom a message about random stuff. Some could be health. <laughs> I mean, like a video, a video of health, like you come that helps you for this and blah blah blah. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you find your mom just forwarding you random videos from random places and random sources. Matt, do you know what's funny? It's funny when your mom starts forwarding you pictures of potential girls that she thinks you should marry. Now, that's weird. <laughs> that's the zone. That's the zone that I'm in nowadays. But... I, I, don't, I don't receive that. So. <laughs> well, like, mom, did you mean to send she might to find me? Uh... Class yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of the 70 or, or 60 year old women that's in Cougar. <laughs> Lada, Lada. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, how about you guys? Oh, uh, well, I forgot the question now. So basically, uh, so have you seen have you seen a change in your in oh. your kind of family over the time, and also that maybe the generation around you? So Olu basically said exercising. Oh yeah, more. yeah, yeah, yeah. When I grew up, when I grew up, when I was growing up, I just ate a lot of junk, junk food, <laughs> pure junk food, and I think it's <laughs> pure junk <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because Daniel's a big boy the, as well. For people that, for the was, listeners that haven't Daniel, met Daniel, Daniel is a big boy, big boy. <laughs> and I think it was when um, yeah, when I was well, when I turned sixteen, like, yeah, I then joined the gym, and I lost a lot of weight because I thought, yeah, I need to do something about this, and this was mm. personal choice. Daniel, tell me, mm. yeah. how big, how big are we talking? Um, boy, I can get some pictures if you want. Right, let's what do that. That's gonna be an Instagram <laughs> post. All of us can send a picture of what we look like as a child. Uh, There's cool. some pictures of me as a baby that are like bad. Like when I lived with my grandma, I used to get fed six times a day. So, bro, I've seen these pictures. 
my grandma used to like feed me with her way of showing love was by feeding me. So but to be honest, I think that's I think that's a, a something a woman does naturally. But anyway, I digress. Um so yeah, lost a lot of weight. And I think usually what happens in a family setting, when someone picks up certain habits, people tend to start subconsciously doing the same thing. Mm. And so people, other people, like, for example, if I was to go to shops to buy certain ingredients for food, the family would then pick up and start doing something similar. If you're exercising, people start to do it. And I wasn't the first one to start exercising. And it's, you know, something that people start doing. And if you start saying, oh, like, especially the child saying to their parents, oh, we need to start doing this or we need to drink more water. Mm. Every, like, your parents will, my parents would listen and start drinking more water. Or if I say something to, like, my mum, she loves tea. I'd be like, she'd say, oh, can you make me a cup of tea? I'm like, no, you're not. I said, how much water have you drank today? And then she just look at me. So I'll give, bring her a glass of water rather than a cup of tea. Mm. And so things like that just become natural changes in the environment that you're living in. And over time, they change. I've never been a big fan. Like, you know, Nigerian food, I eat it from time to time, usually at parties or birthdays or whatever it may be to function. But at home, it just wasn't something that I would say, yeah, I, I want that. Mm. and even you know it's time spent in Nigeria when you know we have a cook the first like I think my mum bought a massive bottle of oil like for in the house <laughs> just to keep like just to it's oil for you know she's thinking for months this guy used it within two weeks the whole bottle Ooh. the cook mm. like the whole bottle of oil he used within like two weeks and my mum he, he says the oil's finished he probably thought he was doing a good job as well. Like that's what he was supposed to do. <laughs> like it, my mom, he said to, then he came to my mom, oh yeah, he needs money for oil. My mom was like, what? But there's oil. He said, no, it's finished. And she was shocked. <laughs> because <laughs> she, she, had, she had to show him how to cook because he was basically putting so much oil that the oil was swimming. The food was swimming in the oil. Like it, it was just, and that's where you're talking about culturally ingrained things and how things are done. Yeah. In yeah. Nigeria, you just put oil in everything because... Mm oil also makes the food last longer so you get more out of it so for example corn beef stew if you put a lot of oil you can feed a lot more people i've <laughs> <laughs> seen faces like, yeah. but it so comes to the point where it's some things are just you know you 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 learn by growing up thinking oh yeah i need to put a lot of oil but also he didn't know that you can cook with not using so much oil <laughs> and these type of things just you know just um you have to sometimes retrain or reprogram the brain on how you do things. And also it's about education. I think we live in a day and age where there's so much information available on Google, on uh, Oli's best friend, Google, that Google you can find, you can find things on whatever it may be. And I, I think we will have to take ownership of ourselves because we say lack of education. We can educate ourselves on a number of things these days, mm. anything you want to learn. There is going to be something on Google. Not everything will be a credible source, but there'll be something out there that is free for you to educate yourself. Yeah. And even ourselves, we know how you know we we should be eating or doing certain things or exercising regularly. And it's whether it's our choice of whether we do it or not. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's also We've... education. There's education, but it's also action. Mm. I think our generation has probably got the least amount of excuses possible. If we're still eating that pounded yam and curry every day. Then we've actually got no excuses just because we're just completely ignorant. But Pete, how how's 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 your experience been with your well, at least with your family and what you saw in the culture growing yeah, up? Yes, so, no, so, so both both my mom and my dad are in much better places health 
as than they were in the past I'd say. so my mother um what she's done really well similar to similar to Olu's mom she's never been a fan of fizzies she's always stayed away from fizzies mm. for as long as for as long as I can remember and also she's always stayed away from red meat so she's never delved into into lamb or steak or anything along those lines. It's just should, been... should, I know I haven't. I'm not aware of the running joke, but you guys should get her to try Olu steak. Oh no, no, no thank you. No, 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 no. I want to. I want to. You'll, you'll be running. You'll be running. I've never. I've never tried Olu steak. Want, whenever this is mentioned, re really bro. recognize Pabilo and Daniel's face. Whenever this you is mentioned, you'll be running. You'll be running to the toilet. I want to Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's cool. But then with my one of the things I'd say is she would. Uh, uh, what we changed from the last few years is she would always make I don't know, excuse. She would be so busy that she would never have time to work out, and mm. she would basically seem as that, and that was basically her norm. I don't have time to sort of put go two hours to Virgin Gym because I'm sort of in Sainsbury's or I'm I'm dropping this off. Yeah, I'm busy. But I think that was one of the points I think Olu and Daniel mentioned, which was also in the communities that um, it's not it's not excusable to make excuses around we don't have enough time to go to the gym. That you can always do a morning run. You don't have to actually sign up to the gym, but you can always do a morning run, a morning uh, sort of stretches in the morning, some yoga. But something where you're moving the body, I think mm. is, is, is absolutely imperative. Mm. Um, for my dad, what's interesting is, although, he's, although his profession is a doctor, he's actually been a patient all his life at the same time. Oh. Um, he's, he's suffered from a number of things. He's, he's unable to sleep for longer than, say, three, four hours, hypertension. He actually takes Novartis drugs, uh, Diavan, Mm. But one thing that changed for him is his blood pressure was, was I think there was a time when we was in Saudi Arabia, it was skyrocketing to say um, north of 200 or at least, yeah, 180, 190, 200. And I think he went through a series of... the recommended amount? So oh, the blood pressure like, should be like 140, 120. One, yeah, 120, oh. So, and I think he, he had a few episodes there where he thought, okay, I really need to make now a difference in the way I manage my body. So he doesn't do, I think, for maybe the last 10, 12 years, no salt, uh, no sugar. Um, and when I mean no, I mean, if, if, the, if the food has any salt in it, he's not eating. Mm. He can even smell it. Uh, no salt, no sugar. Um, and I think he, he has a lot more machinery around him to check his blood pressure, uh, his blood sugar. So he's, and he looks a lot better. He looks, he's, I mean, he's, he's probably like almost 70 and he looks great. So... Mm -hmm. I think what he's he's taking the approach of of like man managing him, himself mm -hmm. and making sure that he becomes like I think if you I think there was one time where there was a bit of salt in the food and he almost he, he switched on the whole family mm -hmm. and said look you know what time it is I don't do this mm -hmm. so I think I think you have to take it you have to make it a priority as much as anything else mm -hmm. sure what do you guys think about um because <clears throat> I think there's two elements of it not regularly getting checked up because uh, if I ask everyone at Puff, I know Daniel's good at this, but if I ask the rest of the guys, when was the last time you got a full like physical <sighs> check in terms of blood um, levels, etc.? When was the last time you guys got it? My one was uh, so it's something that I never really did. But then when you when I started working in Japan, basically it's law for all employees to have an annual health check that's provided by the company. So the two years that I was in Japan. I got into the routine of doing that annually. 
Yeah. Um, and then when I came back to Switzerland last year, I did one as well last year. So now I'm kind of going to the routine, but it's more because of being in an environment where it was mandatory and then getting used to it to now wanting to continue to do it at least once yeah. a year. P. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember the last time hmm. I had a check. And what was interesting is, so I actually I don't think I've had one in maybe the last 10, 10 years, maybe more. Um, but to Shaw's point, our company actually provides uh, free checkup. So actually, I had an I had an appointment booked. Um, but then what happened was I, I just skipped it. I just thought, ah, whatever. Yeah, so what yeah, I did more than that or something. What I have done is I actually I've actually bought myself uh, well for myself uh, Lauren is a, a blood pressure machine so we mm -hmm. can check it whenever, and also uh, um, blood sugar mm. machine. Oh. So we so. I think every three months we'll just we'll just do the checks ourselves at home. Mm. Where did you get your have, have, Where did you get your medical degree from? Uh, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna check myself. It's genetically well, passed one down. Thing, one thing I wanted to add is my dad doesn't really send me too much um, information. Interestingly enough, but he did send me one video uh, of a professor talking about how he hasn't had a cold in years, and so he says the way people 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 basically destroy their own immune system. And one of them, one of the one of the driving factors behind that is the sugar. So, so if people were to cut down the amount of sugar that they had, they wouldn't have as many colds. They would have more energy, um, and so it's like a, it's it's uh, you become more self sufficient. So sometimes we think, oh, I have a cold because I was out for too long, or I didn't, I wasn't wrapped up well. No, it's probably because you've lowered your immune system by the level of sugar that you've had. So yeah. the guy was saying he he doesn't have much apple juice or anything anything that has any level of sugar. He doesn't have. Because you'll be surprised, like sometimes when you do catch those colds as well, you realize that something's changed. Like you mentioned, your diet, mm. or you're like stressed, like like you realize that you're stressed at work, and you easily pick stuff up. Um, so I believe all of those things are connected. Um, in regards to myself, look, I'm just like P man. I can't remember the last time I've had a. <laughs> Come on, guys! We're doing an episode <laughs> on health, and no one's doing their health checks. Come on! What I, would, what I would say is, I would say just buy, buy, like the machinery cost me like a hundred for the blood. Uh, blood. Now I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna get like a specialist to just do the test. You know, it's a couple of hours, and they run that. They get. They look at your body from head to toe. I'm sure Daniel's someone who's probably done it regularly. So I wonder how. I'm turning, uh, I'm turning thirty in what two months, or so I'm gonna get it done before I turn thirty to say, okay, this is my MOT. This is what's working. This is what's not working. This is what yeah. needs to be. Speaking, speaking of MOT, I think I think Daniel, you mentioned this on the previous episode. We should see our body like um, a vehicle, oh. right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought it was just worth mentioning again. But I think the one thing that I'm really good at, really good at, really good at, is water. if drinking water, I drink a lot of water. But if some, if I feel like something's up, I go straight to the hospital. Like, and and yeah. let me tell you one funny. Um, Nathan gives me a hard time about this story, but. I hope I don't get in trouble for it. But anyways, I was having like um, knee issues. Yeah. Like my knee was killing me for such a long time. Um, sounds, like, sounds like someone I know. Bro, I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. And I would just ice it. The next week I play football. Ice it next week. I was just like, yo, what's going on? So I was like, you know what? Let me put an appointment with a GP. So I walk into the GP. Yeah. Knee issues. And I'm like, oh, can you check my knee? Can you see what's going on? Yeah. And he was like, oh, so. And I was like, yeah, I play football, blah, blah, blah. And he was under the impression I was a footballer. And I didn't correct him. <laughs> so he was like, oh, yeah. I'm surprised your team, medicals, like the medical team. Well, um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I just thought it would be better for me to go through the NHS versus this. 
This guy referred me. Olu, 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 Olu. I, I think he knew. Best I think he was gassing you. Huh? He knew I, he wasn't. I don't know if he was gassing me. I didn't correct him. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so then he referred me to like a knee specialist. In like, in like a, in like a week or in like, no, it was a month. It took a month for him to refer me to a knee specialist, yeah? By the time I got to the knee specialist, I had sort of forgotten which knee the problem was. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, so um, I get there and I'm like, and they're like, oh, which knee should we do the scan on? And I was like, oh, my left one. And she's like, oh, the notes say your right one. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is fraud. Straight fraudsters just walked into my clinic. My and I was clinic. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, do the, let's do both. Just <laughs> So they scan both, they scan oh both, God. they scan both knees and everything like that. And they're like, oh, they they actually found something, but it was like something I was born with, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um what but then find? like um my kneecap, my oh, kneecap oh, is oh, 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 no, go on. <laughs> so with my kneecap is split, but they said that some people born with like a split kneecap, it shouldn't cause the pain that it is. So, anyways, they referred me to get physio. And Nathan was just having a go. Nathan was like, yo, like, how are you getting referred to just all these different things? And I was like, everyone's always complaining about NHS, but NHS seems good for me. Like, I mean, even though I got private care, I was like, oh, let me go for NHS. So I got referred to, like, uh, for physio, which I did for, like, two months. Uh, Olu, how, how much is private care? So for the listeners. Your my work, so I do it through my work account, and they subsidize some of it. But I pay, I think it's £50 pounds out of my... Salary a month. Uh, Daniel, how much do you pay for private care? Um, mine's part of Sally sacrifice. I think it's about maybe six hundred pound a year or so. I think. Yeah, so like the fifty a month, six sixty fifty a month. I yeah. think it's about six hundred or something or so a month. But yeah. also on um, I know we're gonna start wrapping up soon. But based mm. on what Oli said about physio, because I just feel as though. Often when we do get, for example, maybe it's antibiotics or a treatment plan from a doctor or a physio, we start, but we don't finish the course. Mm. So we have the proclivity to start something, but to never finish. But I tell you what, with my back, I, I make sure I finish that off. That's one <laughs> thing I don't play with. I've been, I've been going to physio for what, since March, mm-hmm. March, April, and I, I've got no intention of stopping. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. But, yeah, we need to... And it's one of those things, the only person that's going to care about your body is you. Like, no one's going to force you to go and see a doctor. No one's going to force you to do the physio plan. And that's why I say, like, your number one priority should be your health. And even though we crack jokes and everything and P and I haven't gone to do our checkups, which we need to. But in terms of when I hear people are feeling, feeling unwell or sick and you're like, have you gone to the doctor? And they say no. It's like, yo prevention is better than cure getting to it earlier is better than later i've got unfortunately i've got family members who have passed away due to the fact that they didn't go to the hospital in time or they did go to the hospital and the doctors sort of downplayed what they were feeling they were like oh just take these antibiotics or whatever and then they later on found out that it was something more serious than that so if you're feeling anything go to the like bug these doctors like I got MRI scans or whatever. If you don't have private care, just keep going every day. Look, I need to see a and doctor. I need to, like, even, I even, even, even if it's the case of getting a second, second, um, second Refer- viewpoint. Yeah. No, no. Um, second opinion. Sorry, you don't have to well, go to the same doctor, but also you know see someone privately at least once and 
get like a um a second opinion because sometimes doctors are just so inundated with patients they mm. kind of just put you in a bucket and just generalize you and say yeah these antibiotics should fix you if yeah. not come back in four weeks time if you but, if you, you feel know. like it's not helping come back the next day be like i'm back i'm back i'm back yeah i think i think this also, is, this is mri another, another, another hard you know, from the distance, you know what I thought that was? I thought that was something else. But before you zoomed in, I was like... Oh, baby scan. Yeah, I was like... This was um, my... my is, that, back, is that the name of the clinic? What's, it, what's the title? Imagine? Imaging services. No, so this was um, a copy of my MRI from my back for my lumbar and thoracic spine because of the pain. So I got this oh, on right. disc. And this was done privately. But private medical care is expensive. But it's if you do it, you know, pay for it, and you use it, it definitely does reap its rewards. I think I got a statement of how much I've um, basically spent in the last six months, and I think it's come up to four thousand pounds through private medical here. Well, obviously I haven't paid that four thousand, mm. but it just goes to show I definitely use my my private medical care because, well, number one, I'm, I need it, <laughs> and number two, it's there for me to use. Yeah, so but how, it, how much? Is, how much is your life worth? Exactly, there's no price. Mm. There's so no it's price not, on it. It's not expensive. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true. It's not expensive. The, the, right. the other thing I wanted, the other hard truth I think uh, maybe it's worth mentioning um, is that for those maybe that are listening and not, that are not convinced, and they still perhaps want to continue with, with how they're managing, um, the other thing to keep in mind is, and it's for all of us, including myself, is that for those that don't see health as a priority, it's very selfish. We're very, very selfish because the question is, is, is do you not want to be around long enough to see um, yourself grow into, into who you're supposed to be and also your friends and family around you? Uh, because health has a way of working where all of a sudden today could be fine uh, and tomorrow um, it just creeps up on you, bang, and then, and then lights out. So I think, I think we should also look at it like that. Um, by looking after yourself, you're, you're being selfless because you want to be around for those that matter. Um, because you matter as a person, mm-hmm. and it, and 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 that's and I think that's that is a hard truth that we should we should swallow. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful statement for those oh, who okay. don't see health as a priority of very selfish. Cabello Timber, <laughs> love that. Right, guys. I think it's been a it's been a fantastic discussion. Um, so I think just to just to close, is there any any kind of final tips or recommendations that we would share? maybe one tip each to either people that are listening, maybe even to ourselves or our families in terms of how, how they can be more conscious of their, their health. Everything, everything you go on to achieve all of the goals that you've set and everything you go, you want to go and achieve, uh, whether it's financial, non-financial, whatever, it's all predicated off your health. Mm-hmm. Um, no one cares about your health as much as you. So go to, like, if you feel like something's up or something's wrong, go and see a doctor, bug the doctor, don't undersell your injuries. Anytime I go to um, a doctor, I over-exaggerate my injuries. Like, I'm like, oh, my knee, like, I'm no, because if you don't, if you just walk there and say, I've got a niggling pain on my knee, they'll just take these painkillers, cool. Now, over-exaggerate. A quick joke, quick joke, quick joke. Um, my mom... She used to tell me whenever we used to go to um, North Middlesex Hospital, she says, "The moment we get in through those doors, I need you to over-exaggerate the pain. <laughs> the reason, the reason why, is so you can get seen quicker. Seen quicker. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise yeah. you're sitting there for two, three hours. 
So I'd, I'd find myself, yeah, in there, like, ah, <laughs> ah. And I'm just like, I'm like Mom, should, I, should I keep going? <laughs> keep going. <laughs> no, for sure. No, over-exaggerate. I think also minority communities have a tendency to downplay their pain because they don't want to feel like a nuisance to other people. Mm. No, over-exaggerate it, let the doctor know, and prioritize your health. Mm. Daniel, how about you? <clears throat> Similar to what Oli said, but what I said in previous uh, episodes, see your body as see your, your body as like a car. Mm-hmm. If there's any pain, you know, address it, service it regularly, have an MOT. And and to that to that car, to that car analogy, I was I was also thinking as well. What happens when you put diesel in an unleaded car? Mate, you don't start the engine, you have to get it drained out and it's expensive. Yeah. Game over, man. And that's that's basically what, what bad food is like, isn't it? Yeah. I think with the car example as well, I think with cars, if if you put diesel in an unleaded car and then it doesn't work, you can always buy a new car. But with your body, you've literally only got one, which you're expecting to last you close to 100 years. So if you mess that up, mmm. You, you can buy a new body. Some rich people have been living, a, living for a long, long time. You know, parts, yes, definitely parts. So probably, um, probably, so my the the final tip for me is probably a more practical one with what is uh what has really helped with my parents is that for me to track their movement, sleep, exercise. Um, after my dad had his stroke, I realized how for me at that time it was very beneficial for me to have a Fitbit, so I could see how much my steps are, what my sleep is. And then I thought, well, why don't I get it from my parents? Because, yeah, they're telling me they're exercising, they're getting X amount of steps, they're sleeping X amount. But I basically bought uh, both of my brothers and my parents a Fitbit. And now they've had it for a couple of years. But I have the data behind it to see, okay, how many steps are they doing? My dad used to think before he, he was sleeping nine hours after a stroke. Yeah, I'm sleeping for nine hours, 10 hours. But then when you look at the quality of sleep on Fitbit, it's like three and a half, four. Because well, he, you, has, he has sleep family. Say again? Yeah. Are you tracking your I, 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 mate, you have to, they can, they yeah, can tell true. me whatever they want to say. But my, and one thing I did realize was my mom, um, she doesn't work. She's a housewife. But just from her keeping the house, managing the house, doing tasks for all of us, she's a very active person. She does seven to 8,000 steps a day. And before, mm-hmm. my perception was my dad, who's going out, running his restaurants, he's the, he's the active one. And my mom's the one who's at home. But then when I got the data behind it, actually, it's my mom who's the more active person than my dad. And he's the one going outside. So... One thing I'd recommend is just uh, if you want to see that with your parents and you want to have that conversation, and it's actually great to see them see the information as well because it helps their behavior change as well. So I would love to get my mom a Fitbit, but I'm afraid she just won't charge it. <laughs> she would just leave no, it. The funniest thing is when I gave it to my mom the first time, I was like, Mom, so if you put this on your wrist the whole time, it will track your steps. And she was like, What do you mean track your steps? I was like, Put it on. And you walk, at the end of the day, it will tell you how many steps. So what my mom started doing is walking around the house. And then she saw the number increasing. And she was like, it's really tracking my steps. It's saying I've done 20, <laughs> I've done 20 steps. I was like, this is data nowadays. So, um, But no, guys, great, great, uh, great conversation. Really appreciate the, the openness. And so now we head over to the book review. So book review will be taken by Shewell. So it's, it's not a magazine. It's not a journal. I've gone back to the traditional book review. And doing a book. Hold on, let me just continue. Oh, wonderful. It's all that pain. Actually, this is a, I think this is a very apt 
uh, book based on the discussion that we're talking about and kind of our culture. So this book is called You Missed a Spot. Hold on, let me show you. Two. You Missed a Spot. We're Diverse. I'm Inclusive. Now, this book, um, I actually read uh, recently on a flight from Switzerland to London uh, two days ago. So this got recommended to me from a friend called Arjun. And he works with the guy who uh, is an author of this book. So I want to make sure I pronounce his name properly. The guy's name is Karidi Agiri. So Karidi is, um, is a guy from South London. Um, he's of Nigerian descent, and he was 27 when he wrote this book. And he got introduced to me through Arjun, because Arjun kind of saw what I was talking about on Instagram. He's a listener of the podcast. And he was like, oh, you guys should connect. So it connected me with Karidi, and I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. And wait, I let, wait, let me see, wait, let me see the name, the book again. You missed a spot. Where no, did no, I the, the, his name on his name on the book? His name. His, his name? name says K Agiri. Is it K R? Is it is it Koride? Olu, probably in it. Oh, Koride. okay, maybe could be. It's spelled. Hold on, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pronounce I'm it. I'm waiting for Olu to verify, but he's just sitting there like this. <laughs> Because so, <laughs> when you said Karidi, I was like, it's Karida. I've never heard that Nigerian well, I'm, glad, I'm, glad that we've got our, I'm glad that we've got our resident Nigerian expert. I want to make sure the name. The thing is, I, I had a conversation with him over the phone. So if I was saying it wrong, then boy, you didn't correct me. So apologies for saying So it's spelled K-O-R-E-D-E. -E. Yeah, Karide. Yeah, Just so, pronounce the way you are. It's like when people call me Oli or whatever. It's like... There's a Nigerian pronounce it properly. So yeah, if 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 your friend is anything like Olu, I'd pronounce it properly. Yeah, one hundred percent. Olu's wrong. Yeah, he's coming off you. He's coming exactly. Again. Okay, guys, say 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 the name again for the listeners. Go on then. It's Corridor. Corridor. Yeah, close. All right, cool. So, so so I. Olu's that close. So basically, um, I had a conversation uh, with him a couple of months ago, and the reason why he got connected to me is because Arjun saw what I was kind of posting on Instagram. He listens to the podcast, and he knows that we're trying to um, raise awareness of, of certain topics within our culture and also maybe our kind of age group and generation um, across the globe. Now, what the author did with this amazing book is he is not an author, right? He works in... Um, finance his his background is economics um he's worked in different financial companies and now he's working at an asset management company um in a sales role so this is a guy who actually is very similar backgrounds to us and one of his mentors had a conversation with him and he had this kind of thought in him that he wants to write a book about this topic which i'll get get into um and his mentor was like well cool why why don't you uh just do it then and he basically went ahead and created this book, got it published through Amazon. I found his story very inspiring, by the way, because I was reading through this and it's amazing content. But on top of that is something that I thought, wow, I could if 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 he has the the drive to do this on top of his job and he has a great message that he's trying to say, then it's something that I feel all of us could do. I think everyone has a story that they can share. So that's what I loved about him as, a, as an individual. Now, going back to the book, what this book is about is... Um, so as I mentioned, he's from South London of Nigerian descent. And he was saying that when he was able to join a company, um, landing a job is one thing, but whether you 
flourish or not in the role depends on a wide range of factors, right? Some of those factors are within your control. So your work ethic, um, your drive, this is something that he's not even explaining in the book because he's assuming for you to read this, you've already got that. Um, but what are the factors outside of your control that you can get educated about um, that will make a difference? So what he talks about in this book um, is how people of a minority background, typically when we're growing up, we're not exposed to certain types of sports, certain types of things like golf, like tennis, um, certain things about traveling. He was saying that when he was growing up, he was barely going on holiday and the only holidays he would go to is back home to Nigeria. Um, even art, for example, right? When he would grow up, he never really went to a gallery, never went to a museum um, and hobbies and interests, what he does and also fine dining. He was growing up and if when he was at university, anyone said, oh, let's go to a restaurant where it costs a hundred pound a meal, he'd be like, Nah, no, no, no. Show me, show me like a place, like a, a fast food place or somewhere where I'm not having to spend that much because it doesn't make sense to me to spend that money. And then when he joined his corporate role, he realized that he was having conversations with people. And then he started to understand in terms of sports, people were talking about rugby more. People were talking about golf. In terms of fine dining, people were happy to go to these restaurants and spend a lot of money on the food. Traveling, people would come back from the weekend and say, oh, yeah, I went here or there, even around the UK or to other countries. And he realized that for him, having these conversations with people, he actually didn't have many stories to tell. And he realized that, of course, everyone's background has got them to the story and to the position where they are. But he's not saying that you should shy away from your individual story, but you should listen and grow as an individual and learn from others around you and the different experiences so what he does in this book is those chapters sports travel art hobbies and interests and fine dining he talks a bit about what his perception of those areas was before then once joining a corporate um, company he started having these conversations with people and he gives his recommendation and views in terms of what you should do the types of conversations you should have and even recommendations in terms of places to visit certain museums etc so I love this book for two reasons. One, him as an individual for having the the drive on top of his on top of his role, on top of his day-to-day -day job, jobs that are very similar to ours, to put this book together and get it self-published and sold through Amazon. And then the content behind it is something that I think resonates with um, a lot of the people, a lot of maybe our demographic as well, where if you've grown up in a particular area and you haven't been exposed to many things, when you're old enough and working in an environment where you're surrounded by people that are, then don't let that hold you back and use that as an opportunity to learn from them and you grow and become a more well-rounded individual. And he's not saying anything that your background is bad. It's, it's none of that. Your background has got you to the position where you are, but just to grow and flourish more, be aware of everything else around you. So it was a dope, 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 dope book. Very, very, like I read the whole thing in a, in a two-hour flight. And yeah, I honestly, honestly love this book. Can't wait to tell him. Because when we had a call a couple of months ago, I said, I, I love the concept. I ordered it off Amazon um, and I can't wait to read it. And then once I've read it, I'm going to do a review on the podcast. So, yeah. No, uh, I, I, I think we all can relate. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think it's, it speaks to, it, it really does speak to our heart because I think we have so many different stories of, of a similar, similar nature. The thing is, the only thing I'll add to that is we all have a place where we can add value. But mm. It's up to us to be able to see that worth in ourselves. Um, and in the, in the beginning, it is tough because we think we're out of place. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that's that's a. I mean, it's a great book. It's a great book. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna order that book, man. One supporting a fellow Nigerian. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, like I can definitely relate to it because when I started, 
and some of the stuff people will be talking about like let's go people are like, oh this weekend you want to go for golf you want to go play golf this weekend i'm like <laughs> why do people play golf but now you realize that those are the places where deals are made on that yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's exactly what he's saying he was like something like the golf course is where you get the chance to really build relationships build businesses and have those conversations in an environment where there's no other distraction so he's giving you the the full uh the full the full scope and everything so i mean i'll just repeat it one more time so it's called you missed a spot we're diverse i'm inclusive and the author is do you know it's because i said his uh first name wrong book he's just put k agiri yeah he probably put k just because he knew that everyone exactly 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 so i highly recommend it i think it's available on um amazon um as i said this is all self-published he's i'm super super i don't even know the guy that well and i feel proud for him reading this book so i can imagine for those that are around him and they were reading it they must have been super proud of him as well so yeah peace thank you daniel pass it on to you thank you all for listening um, hope you've enjoyed it. Find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast or send us an email at takeflightpodcast at gmail.com. That's all for this week, folks. Thank See you, you in two weeks. Peace.